Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Okay, uh, we're going to, in our last session, just uh, a couple of thoughts I need to bring from chapter 20 and then finish up on Revelation chapter 21 and 22. So, uh, uh, on page 17, uh, that's what we'll be looking at, page 17 and 18, and just try and bring a few of the uh, thoughts together there. Okay, so just before we start on that, I'm sorry you can't see this, but I'd like you to at least uh, listen to the picture that we've got here, uh, which uh, we've had to do so much. So I've called this uh, the theory of the school that we're in, we call Christian Millennium. So we can sort of keep that in mind. So Jewish millennium is uh, where they have a rebuilt temple, animal sacrifice, and restoration of the Mosaic Covenant. So remember, our millennial, reacting against that, that we're in the millennium now. Christian millennium is uh, uh, a balance between uh, the Jewish millennium and our millennium, we believe, in our school now. Three and a half years, we've looked at the events that have gone on there. Revelation 19, second coming, revelation of Christ, rapture of the church, so forth. And then uh, Christian millennium, seventh day rest for earth when Satan is bound and the serpent no longer can deceive uh, people. Now, just at the beginning and end, it might be, uh, if, uh, I'm sorry you can't quite see this, but at least uh, the gist of it, you'll notice that just... Um, uh, there's a, a correspondence between beginning and end of the thousand years, the uh, Christian millennium. Then, So, number one here, at the beginning we have Satan bound. At the end we have Satan loosed. Uh, number two, we at the beginning of the thousand years we have the first resurrection. At the end of the thousand years we have the second resurrection. And then number three... This is the resurrection of the righteous, the dead in Christ rise first. And then number four, they are raised to life, they lived. And then at the end of the thousand years, we have a second resurrection of the unrighteous, the rest of the dead live not again till the thousand years were fulfilled. And this is to damnation. This one, the greatest reward that the saints get here at this time is a glorified body. So the corruption puts on incorruption and the mortal puts on immortality. So uh, a glorified body. The greatest judgment that the wicked get is the body and soul is cast to Gehenna. That's why Jesus said, don't fear him who's able to destroy the body, but fear him, that's God, who's able to destroy body and soul in Gehenna. And we haven't got time to talk about some of that uh, terror. So, uh, yeah. So number six, here we have the judgment seat of Christ, the beamer seat at the beginning of the thousand years, but here we have the great white throne judgment, which is for the wicked. And then number seven here, at the beginning of the thousand years, we have the rewards and glories of the saints in preparation for the kingdom. And then here at the end of the thousand years, we have the rewards and punishments of the wicked. All are judged for according to their works out of the book of life. That's what the whole whole of the great white throne judgment is about. So you sort of get that picture. Uh, what happens at the beginning of the thousand years and what happens at the end of the thousand years? Now, trying to uh, respond to a question or so here, people say, well, if this is so, Kevin, and this school is right, 
Why, why is Satan loose? Why do we have a second resurrection? Who are the nations that Satan tries to deceive if the saints possess the kingdom? All right, this is how our school, the school I'm in, understands it. Uh, Satan could have been cast into the lake of fire right at the beginning of a thousand years. For some uh, reason, in God's divine purpose, he, put, he, put, he puts him in the bottomless pit. And then Satan has to come up for judgment. In contrast to the even um, uh, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet, Satan is loose for one reason. He has to appear at the great white throne of judgment. And then also the wicked dead. Why didn't God cast them right in the lake of fire? Well, with the dead here, God is just even dealing with, the, uh, with them. So the reason that the uh, wicked dead are resurrected is they have to appear at the great white throne judgment. So it's just like Satan says, okay, I've been loose out of the bottomless pit. Uh, you've had a resurrection. Let's have one final attempt on the camp of the saints. There's no war actually involved. Fire comes down from heaven and we're immediately introduced to the great white throne judgment. And so God has to be just in dealing with Satan, fallen angels, demonic spirits, the wicked dead. And, and, and the great white throne judgment is actually the universal court case of everybody outside of Christ. That's the, the frightening picture that we have there. The books are opened. The book of life is open. The book of the works of every man's life is recorded. So Satan, the author of sin, is there. The angels he deceived in heaven are there. All the wicked dead, all the demonic spirits, they're all there so that God is just in his judgment as they're, uh, uh, they're judged out of the books and they're cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which brings us to the eternal states. So that's, that's the picture that we have. Christ coming, Revelation 19, the thousand-year millennial kingdom, uh, which we uh, are not given over much details about, but some things we are. And then now we come to Revelation chapter 21, 22. New heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, in other words, the eternal states. So the eternal states for the wicked, they're cast into the lake of fire, uh, Gehenna, the final hell, death and Hades, Hades, uh, Sheol, uh, Tartarus, all cast into hellfire, the eternal state, while the righteous are taken away to a new heavens and new earth and new Jerusalem. Now, I want you to look at some scriptures with me um, on this. And th this. This is important for us to get hold of as we're sort of wrapping up in our final session here and trying to pull together some loose ends. In the, uh, in the um, book of Revelation, we have two Jerusalems. We have earthly Jerusalem, and we have heavenly Jerusalem. Now, we've already talked about Jerusalem in the Middle East, and the problem is going to uh, increasing there and going to intensify. So it depends which Jerusalem you're looking at. So I want you to go through seven major scriptures from the New Testament about Jerusalem, okay? So let's go over to John chapter 4. So just to help us on, what about the new Jerusalem? What about the earthly Jerusalem? Because uh, some of the experts say, well, in the millennial kingdom, we're going to go up to the earthly Jerusalem and everything like that. And in the earthly Jerusalem, the nations are going to go and keep the peace of heaven and the earthly Jerusalem. I want you to see what the New Testament writers say about this so that we've got our eyes on the right city. Can you say amen? amen. Okay, let's go over scripture number one. And then we'll sort of finish up with Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Okay, and these are all from the New Testament. So I'm not using Old Testament scriptures on this. Okay, John's Gospel chapter 4. John's Gospel chapter 4. 
These are very important scriptures in order for us to understand Revelation 21, 22, what John sees. So John, uh, John chapter 4. All right. Jesus is talking to the uh, woman of Samaria, the woman at the well. And uh, so she immediately gets into a religious argument. And she says, uh, paraphrasing a little bit, as you glance over verse 9, well, you are Jew, I'm a Samaritan. The Jews don't have any uh, dealings with the Samaritans. Racism, she brings up. And then Jesus talks about the living water. Now, when Jesus starts to deal with her about uh, the seven husbands she's had and the guy she's living with them is not her husband, uh, she says in verse 19, the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> you know, how did you know I had six husbands and the guy I'm living with now is not my husband? You, you must be a prophet. Now, she immediately gets into a religious argument about places of worship, cities of worship. So, verse 20, our fathers worship in this mountain, Gerizim, where the temple, uh, Mount uh, Gerizim, yes, where the temple, uh, their temple was for the Samaritans. But you say, Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So, teaching, well, we're all going to go up to Jerusalem and we're going to worship the earthly Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when neither in this mountain nor Jerusalem, Mount Moriah, so Mount Gerizim, where they had their temple, and Mount Moriah, and Mount Jerusalem, where they had their temple, the hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem are you going to worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, in fact, it's not only coming as in verse 21, the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father, not in Jerusalem, not in Mount Gerizim, but in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now Jesus repudiated worshiping Jerusalem as an earthly place. And Samaria, He is not interested in places. He's interested in people. We all got to go to some sacred place. We've got to go to Jerusalem. We've got to go to uh, Azusa Street. We've got to go to Toronto. We've got to go to M. We've got to go somewhere. We get wrapped up in places. And Jesus is finished with places. It's persons. It's people. So wherever we are, if we worship Him in spirit and truth, that's the place. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, I put it in conjunction with number 1 here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. See, people get so wrapped up in places. We've got to go somewhere for a misguided tour. <laughs> okay, 1 Corinthians, just discipline your old mind. We're on our last uh, lap coming into landing here. Fasten your safety belts. <laughs> Turn off your computers and mobile phones. Okay, first Corinthians chapter one, verse one and two. Listen to it. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, what a name, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place, not Jerusalem, neither in this place nor this place. You worry about places of worship. Hey, the hour is coming when God wants people to worship Him. Anywhere, everywhere, worship in spirit. With all that in every place, 
call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So we're at any place. Okay? Not places, but any place. And he's looking for worship. All right? So Jesus really repudiated worship in Jerusalem. He could have just said it right there. Listen, woman, the only place God accepts worship is in Jerusalem. You've got to go there. No other place. Jesus repudiated that. Let's go to scripture number two. Scripture number two. Galatians chapter... Galatians. Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, and for your, uh, for your notes, you can put down verse 21 through to uh, 30, just the whole passage, but we'll pick out just two or three verses for time. So Galatians chapter 4, and verse 21 to 31. So Paul writing to the Galatian churches who were suffering from covenantal confusion, mixed up with the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, getting circumcised, keeping Sabbath days, and uh, yet they're new covenant believers. So verse 21, tell me you, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are two covenants. Please notice it. He's going back to Abraham and he says, Abraham had two sons. And these two sons were Ishmael and Isaac. And he says, these two sons, this is an allegory, but these two sons are two covenants. Ishmael is a covenant. What's he a covenant of? The covenant of law, which pertained to the flesh, and a covenant of works. But Isaac is a covenant of grace. And promise and faith and of the Spirit. So he goes through this allegory and notice what he does with the two cities. Which things are an allegory for these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage and answers to Hagar. So, Mount Sinai, the law. Uh, is in bondage and corresponds to Hagar, the flesh, product of the flesh. But then he goes on, but this Hagar or Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. So, this refers to Ishmael, the earthly city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which now is in the Middle East, answers to Hagar, to law, flesh, works, Sinai, bondage, and is in bondage. So Jerusalem is in bondage. The earthly city. No mistake about it. Paul's looking at two cities here. Earthly Jerusalem, heavenly. But, verse 26, but Jerusalem, which is above, so which city are we looking at? Which city have we got our eyes on? Jerusalem, which is above, is free. So there's a Jerusalem here, and answers to Sarah, which is free 
and is the mother of us all. So Paul is trying to get their eyes off the earthly Jerusalem and get your eyes onto the Jerusalem which is above. Two cities, an allegory, two covenants. So earthly Jerusalem answers to the flesh. It's in bondage with the children because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the old covenant that works, the Mosaic covenant. Have you seen the picture here? So it depends which Jerusalem you're looking at. Okay, scripture number three. So Jesus repudiates worship after the, after, um, uh, on the earthly city, unless it's in spirit and in truth. Paul shows the two cities in bondage, and he knew all about the earthly city. All right, scripture number three, and I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Now the reason I'm doing this is to sort of try and refute some things that say in the millennial kingdom where all the nations are going to go up to earthly Jerusalem. Okay? That's what we've got to sort out. Are we? Alright, Hebrews chapter 11 and we'll pick up in verse 8. For your notes you can put down the whole passage. We haven't got time to read all the verses but uh, Hebrews 11 verse 8 through to 16. So the passage, Hebrews uh, 11, 8 through to 16. By faith, Abraham, oh well, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael, Isaac, two covenants. Old covenant, new covenant. Covenant of law, flesh, works. Covenant of grace, spirit, faith. So Abraham, when he was called, it had to go out into a place which he shut after, received from the heavens, obeyed, went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tents, tabernacles, uh, with Isaac and Jacob, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So is Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, this trinity of men, are they looking for earthly Jerusalem? Whose builder and maker is God. Continue on. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. So God promised Abraham a city. But they died in faith, not having received the promise. And then go down to verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly, they seek a country, the Middle East. Truly, if they'd been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. So is the earthly Jerusalem the city that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are looking for? Scripture number 4. Let's turn to Hebrews 12. Very interesting that Hebrews chapter 11, 12, and 13 all refer to city. But which city? Which Jerusalem? Okay, Hebrew, uh, scripture number 4, put down Hebrews 12, and verses 22 to 24. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. Now Paul, in writing Hebrews here, he says we have come unto nine things. Just can only give an outline quickly, or just circle it in your Bible. But you, in contrast to coming to Mount Sinai, that even Moses exceedingly fear and quake, Mount Sinai, the tabernacle of Moses, the law covenant, he says in contrast, but you are come up unto, number one, Mount Zion. Number two, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. 
Number three, to an innumerable company of angels. Number four, to the general assembly. Number five, and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Number six, to God the judge of all. Number seven, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Number eight, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And number nine, to the blood of sprinkling. Just so much there. So, you've come to Mount Zion, to heavenly Jerusalem. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are looking for a city. Which city? Heavenly Jerusalem. A city whose builder maker is God. A city that has foundations. Reference number five. Scripture number five. Hebrews chapter 13. Why am I saying this? I'm, trying to, I'm saying this so we get our eyes off the earthly Jerusalem. And get our eyes to the heavenly Jerusalem. Now things are going to hot up over there as we've already seen. But I'm not interested in going there. I've been to Jerusalem. I've been for a misguided tour. I've been to the two places where Jesus was buried. Both of them were genuine. Never fell a thing. Hebrews chapter 13. The third reference to city. Let's go to verse... Um, pick up in verse uh, 12, okay? Hebrews 13, verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood... Suffered without the gate. Let us go, uh, go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Now what's Paul trying to do? He's writing to the Hebrew believers and saying, Get your eyes off the earthly city. It's just before the city of Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. And say, so Get your eyes off the city. Jesus prophesied is going to be destroyed. Not one stone will be left unturned upon another. Get your eyes on the city. We've got no continuing city. We seek one to come. Hebrews 11, 12, and 13. All right, reference number six. There's two more here. Reference number six. And we've already covered this in our sessions this week. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 8. The last reference to earthly Jerusalem. Reference number six. Reference, uh, reference number 6, Revelation chapter 11, referring to the two uh, witnesses here. And uh, we don't need to amplify this. We've already done it in previous session. sessions. And their dead bodies, referring to the two witnesses, shall be in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, and no mistaking about it, where also our Lord was crucified. So Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified, is spiritually Sodom. We've already said it, we say it again. Sodom had two witnesses and was destroyed by fire and brimstone. Egypt, spiritually Egypt. Egypt was destroyed by plagues, had two witnesses. That's exactly what happens to earthly Jerusalem, where also our Lord was crucified. So when you do go to Jerusalem for a misguided tour, as I've done, you're going to a city that is spiritually Sodom and spiritually Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. Number seven, that brings us now to Revelation chapter 21. Are you all still breathing there? <laughs> the test is coming, cheer up. <laughs> Just trying to get some joy in the place now. Okay. Revelation 21, wow, John, oh, you're so great, John. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, not a city which is spiritually Sodom and Egypt, I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, not old Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Oh, this is the city that Abraham was looking for, whose builder and maker is God. Holy city, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven say, The tabernacle of God is with men, he will dwell with them. He dwelt in the tabernacle of Moses, he moved to the tabernacle of David, he moved from the tabernacle of Moses to the tabernacle of David, moved from the tabernacle of Moses, David to the temple of Solomon, he moved from the temple of Solomon to the church, his temple, and now we have the ultimate dwelling place of God. And he will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I don't think you can not say hallelujah. Okay, let's finish on this. Just an outline that, uh, again, I'm using uh, a bit from uh, Brother Patterson is going to be with the Lord, and then we'll wrap it all up. Okay, the city of God, and we know what this is in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. So the Revelation 21 and 22. Okay, number one, its origin. It descends out of heaven from God. In other words, its builder and maker is God. This is not earthly Jerusalem ascending up to heaven. This is heavenly Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. So it's a whole new city. Its builder and maker is God. This is the city Abraham was looking for, Isaac and Jacob. They're not looking for that one over there. Number two, its appearance. Just a brief outline here. Number two, its appearance. Having the glory of God. The splendor, the radiance of God. So just as old Jerusalem, the old temple used to have the Shekinah glory of God, the earthly Jerusalem now, and it hasn't for since it was destroyed, AD 70 and beforehand. Glory of God. But this city has the Shekinah glory. Its appearance is the glory of the God, of God, the Shekinah glory, clothed in the glory of God. Can we comprehend that? Number three, its light. Its light is like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So just absolute clearness, no shadow, no shade, no gray. Its light, luminary, like a precious jasper stone, clear as crystal. Everything is transparent. That's what I'm saying. Number four, it's gates. There were 12 gates with 12 angels, 12 messengers. And in the gates, now listen carefully to this point here. I'll just touch on them briefly. In the 12 gates are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Natural Israel or spiritual Israel. Spiritual, it cannot be natural national Israel. Which showing that the true Israel of God is a spiritual thing, not a national, natural thing. And, and listen to this thought here. Uh, I, I haven't got time to explain it. When we're born again, we are all born again into spiritual Israel. That's the corporate name. 
I, I know you won't understand this, that's why I'm saying it. <laughs> when we're born again, we're born into spiritual Israel, but we are adopted into a tribe if we're not already there. Now see, I hear preachers say this, how many, what does Judah, Judah, Judah mean? Judah mean? It means prayer. So how many in the tribe of Judah this morning? Well, if you're all in the tribe of Judah, where's the other 11 tribes? See how ridiculous the thought is? There are 12 tribes of spiritual Israel, and when Jesus comes and the redeemed of earth go sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem, we will all enter through the different gates, because Psalm 122 talked about the number Let's go up to Jerusalem, whither the tribes go up, and we enter through the gates of the Lord. So all the tribes were entering through their gate. So we don't all belong to the tribe of Judah. We all should praise the Lord. But we all belong to the tribe of Judah. So I'll say it, even though you don't understand it, we're born into spiritual Israel. That's the corporate name. But we are adopted into one of the tribes if we're not already there. I haven't got time to prove all that. But don't throw it away. It might be right. <laughs> Number five. It's foundations. The wall of the city had 12 foundations. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were looking for a city which has foundations. 12 foundations. And listen to this. In contrast to the gates which have the names of the 12 tribes, the foundations have the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb in them. So two bunches of names here. And remember when the disciples said, well, what, what are we going to get out of this? He said, look, in the regeneration, you will reign on 12 thrones, judging Israel, which Israel? And their names are in the foundations. 12 foundations. Number six, it's measurements. The whole of the measurements are all in multiples of 12,000 or 144,000. This number 144 is stamped upon this city. I haven't got time to develop that. 12 by 12, 144, 12,000, 12,000, 144,000, and so forth. It's, just, it's stamped with this uh, number of the redeemed. It's a redemption number, 144. And we see that in chapter 7, chapter 14. Now the city is stamped with this number. Number 7. Number 7 is materials. The wall is of jasper. And the city is of pure gold. And, and, and the amazing thing about this gold, it's clear gold. It's transparent. You can see through it. <laughs> I'll work that one out. Okay. There's no dark spot, there's nothing shady or grey, everything is transparent. So the city of God, everything. Um, uh, why don't you add this, because I haven't got it here so much. Uh, the city is four square, and in the four square city are the twelve different stones. Now in the garment of the high priest, the breastplate on the high priest was four square, and it had twelve precious stones in it, pointing ultimately to the four square city which we enter through our high priest and the 12 stones. How many think, how many think the Bible could be inspired? Just, just a wee little bit, you know. Alright, number 8, it's temple. No city in the world like this. This is a city without a temple. No. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. So what do we want to rebuild temple for? When the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple. Number nine, 
its illumination. It has no need of the sun or the moon or the light of the stars. So what God created in Genesis chapter 1 on the sun, moon, stars to give light on the earth in this city, there's no need of those luminous bodies. No need of natural light because the source of light is the glory of God. The glory of God did light, but the Lamb is the light thereof. We can't comprehend that. Number 10, its inhabitants, the citizens of the city. Uh, I know this might sound different, but this is different. That's it. That's what it's about. It says, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Who are the saved nations? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How shall they call unless they hear? And how shall they be saved unless somebody preach them? Go to what the New Testament says about being saved. We talk about, oh, we're going to save the nations. The goat nation. No such thing. There's goats in every nation. And there's sheep in every nation. But there's no goat nation, sheep nations. Who would... Thank you, Kevin, for that wonderful point. Okay, number 11, it's water supply, or it's river. It's a river of pure water of life, clear as crystal. And this is an interesting thing. Earthly Jerusalem never, ever had a river. So when the psalmist says in Psalm 48, the city of God, there is a river. The streams thereof make glad the city of God. What city is he talking about? The heavenly, because earthly Jerusalem never had a river running through it. This one does. It's the city of God. So it's river. Okay? Number 12. It's trees. The tree of life. On either side of the river are the tree of life that bears fruit 12 months of the year. If I, if I understand that right... Uh, you won't be having oranges every every month of the year. I mean, every every month of the year there's a different fruit. Everlasting. I mean, tree of life. So all that we lost in Adam is restored in the Lord Jesus Christ. We lost the tree of life in, uh, in Adam. It's gained in the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it's trees. And then number... Uh, th where are we up to? Uh, thir 13, it's blessing. The blessing is no more curse and his name will be in our forehead. So the curse entered after sin and man lost the tree of eternal life. Everything's changed. So John and Moses get together, no more curse. And the first use of the word curse is in Genesis chapter 3, but there's no more curse. No mildew, no thorns, no sorrow, no disease, nothing. No death, no demons, no devil. Hallelujah. So curse and, and, and the tree of life restored. So it's blessing. So, interesting thought here. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, what do you have in mind? Well, you had everything in mind because of who he was. But you see, in Adam, we lost the way, we lost the truth, we lost the life. All that we lost in Adam is restored in the last Adam, Jesus Christ. So we lost the tree of life, and so it's restored in Jesus Christ, the last Adam. All right, number 14, it's thrown. Now we have, it's the throne of God and the Lamb. So the Father and the Son, eternally the Lamb. 
So come to the Father through Jesus the Son. So it's government. It's governed by God and the Lamb. That's the picture we have there. And then uh, the last one here, number 15, it's occupation. We're told his servants shall serve him and there will be eternal joy and happiness in just doing his will. So his servants shall serve him, eternal, eternally serving our Lord, not only for what he's done, but for who he is. So which city are you looking for? You can have a little peek at the earth of Jerusalem. It is going to hot up over there, but I'm not looking for that one. I'm looking for a city. This building made to his God. How many can say amen? amen? All right, now for our last moment here before we uh, get that other bit of paper that you've been wanting all week. <laughs> I want you to see how John sort of uh, finishes up his book. Where is it here? In, uh, in Revelation, let's go to Revelation chapter 22. Uh, just a few more thoughts, and thanks for being such a wonderful bunch. Revelation chapter 22. So all that outline is sort of from chapters 21, 22. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22, and we'll go down to verse uh, 12. Verse 12. Uh, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his word shall be. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. Adam failed to do his commandments. He broke the one commandment he had. He lost the right to the tree of life. But blessed that they do his commandments. They have right to the tree of life and they may enter in through the gates of the city. God put at the gate of Eden, cherubim and the flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. Now the gates are open wide. For without adults and sorcerers and whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves a lie makes a uh, love loves and makes a lie. And Jesus, uh, I Jesus, sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches of the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him hears that say, uh, say, Come. Let him that is thirsty come. And whoever will, let him come and take of the water and free uh, water of life freely. And then I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add. Under these things, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man take away from the words of the prophecy, the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things written therein. Now, a couple of other thoughts here before we finish. The picture that uh, John is ultimately seeing here is this. We have this four-square city of God. And uh, he's using some of the language, having been in earthly Jerusalem, and now he's seeing the picture of the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the picture. Here we have, say, natural earthly Jerusalem was here as the city, originally the city of God, now become spiritually Sodom and Egypt. And outside the city was a place called Gehenna. This is earthly Jerusalem. And so when Jesus spoke about the parables and Gehenna, all the refuse of the city was taken out and burnt in the fires of Gehenna. And in the fires of Gehenna, because of the filth and the rubbish and the decay, worms would feed upon the flesh and the filth and so forth. And so the fires of Gehenna were continually burning outside the city of Jerusalem. Now John is seeing the same thing. 
Here we have the city of God, heavenly Jerusalem, and outside the city of God, dogs, whoremongers, and murderers, liars, adulterers, who are cast into the lake of fire. They have no right to enter into the 12 gates of the city of God. That's the ultimate picture, Gehenna, the lake of fire. That's, that's the ultimate picture. All right, now, as John wraps up his book, and as I wrap up this seminar, <laughs> everybody, are you all feeling good? Yes. This is what well, is quite remarkable. This is we finish on this. Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 22, they have a remarkable comparison, and uh, we haven't got time to sort of put all the verses, but let me spell it out to you. This is the final notes of this seminar. Oh, hallelujah. In Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 22, there is a fellow messenger. And John's told, don't worship me. Both chapters, the beginning and end of the book of Revelation, have this fellow messenger. Revelation chapter 1 and 22, both speak. Uh, these will, things will shortly come to pass. I come quickly. Both chapters speak of this. So what John started off in Revelation 1, he's now wrapping up in chapter 22. Revelation 1 and chapter 22, there's a blessing. Here it says, uh, there's a blessing on those who read, hear, and keep the sayings of this book. Revelation 22, it says they are blessed. Number, number 4, Revelation chapter 1 and 22, both chapters speak of the prophecy of this book. Several times, this book, this book, the words of this prophecy, this book, this book, seven or eight times. So the prophecy of this book, particularly the book of Revelation. So when ministers mock this book, I wouldn't like to be in their shoes. This book, don't touch this book, don't add to this book, don't take away from this book, you'll get the curse of this book. Write it in this book and send it to the churches. Alright, Revelation chapter 1 and 22, number 5, both say the time is at hand, the time is at hand. Well, that was 2,000 years ago, how many think it is at hand? Okay, and then number six here, Revelation 1, 22. Both uh, chapters speak of the Amen, Amen. So be it, let it be. Number seven, Revelation 1 and 22. Both speak of this name of the Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first letter, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, or Greek alphabet, whatever it is. Okay, Alpha and Omega. Both chapters, chapter 1, 22, both refer to Jesus as the first and the last. Revelation, the first chapter, Revelation 22, the last chapter, he is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, he's the whole alphabet, he is the word. And then number nine, both chapters use this expression, so no mistaking who wrote the book, I, John. Revelation 22, I, John. Then number ten, both chapters speak of his coming, behold, he comes, behold, I come quickly. In the first one, it's behold, he comes. Revelation 22, behold, I come. Then number 11, both chapters say, write it in the book, write it in the book, write it in the book. And he said, write it in the book. Then number 12, the final thing here, both chapters say, write it in the book. This is sent to the churches. I, Jesus, sent, speak to the churches, so to the churches. So chapter 1 and chapter 22, just shake hands together as John wraps up. Here endeth the 24th lesson. <laughs> Thanks for being such a wonderful lesson. I am done, and you are overdone. <laughs> Let's just bear out a word of prayer, then I'll turn over to uh, the brother who just got a rib. <laughs> well, I love it.
Father, we just uh, bow our hearts and our heads humbly before you uh, with thanks and gratitude just for the awesomeness, the overwhelming uh, inspiration of your inexhaustible word, Lord. We just, even I feel this at my eyes, Lord, the more I know, the less I know. That we'll never exhaust this wonderful, wonderful word inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know it's been a heavy week, a hard week for us, and sharing and teaching, and uh, thank you for your people. And Lord, we just depend upon the Holy Spirit in the days ahead just to take these things and make them more real and clarify them further in our own hearts and lives. And Lord, as we've been praying through this week, that it will not just be information to the mind, uh, a head trip or knowledge that puffs up, Lord, but uh, formation of our character, uh, of our, our lives, Lord, to serve you and just to walk humbly before you. Father, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you for your favor on all of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for taking us out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of light. Help us always to walk humbly and softly and gently before you, Lord, and help us to have a heart for those who are outside the kingdom and witness to those uh, who are lost, Father. Amen. Bless uh, this uh, Tongue Bible College, this seminar, and all those involved, the leadership and the students, Lord, and uh, we just give you all the praise and the glory. Lord, we don't take the glory. We just receive the blessing, but we give all the glory to you. Amen. In the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the students now who take the test. May they be blessed in their tests. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Real good. Thank you so much. sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.